Ian Pierce is a postdoc at Cornell University. I recently caught up with Ian at the Ecological Society of America meeting in Portland. Can you briefly introduce yourself? I'm Ian Pierce. Uh, I'm a postdoctoral researcher out of uh, Cornell University, uh, working on oak trees and uh, their masting behavior. What problem is the research uh, in general trying to solve? Broadly speaking, the research that we've been conducting on oak trees has been to ask fundamentally why uh, or how oak trees mast, that is how they produce uh, synchronously a lot of seeds in some years and very few in others. Um, related to this, most hypotheses that relate to um, oak masting uh, involve some degree of pollen limitation or uh, aspects of early spring phenology. If you could boil down the, the findings in the paper uh, to a couple bullet points, uh, what, are, what are those take-home messages? Well, this study finds stabilizing selection in um, the timing of flowering in oaks, uh, specifically that uh, oaks that flower in the middle of the population tend to produce greater seed sets for that given year than oaks that flower at the extremes, either the early season or very late season. There's also evidence of slight directional selection where uh, those trees that flower uh, very early in the year tend to do a little bit better than those that flower very late in the year. So overall, statistically, that ends up looking like there's a trend towards earlier flowering dates being better than later flowering dates. Uh, moreover, trees' flowering date seems to be quite consistent from year to year. So, or its relative flowering date, I should say, because uh, within the population, the order of flowering of individuals is um, consistent within a 10-year data set. Interesting. So um, why is it that individual trees flower in the same order every year? Uh, we didn't address that specifically in this paper, but we have done that in other analyses looking at uh, microsite variation. Uh, so we've recorded temperature on all of these trees uh, over the course of about 10 years uh, with individual um, temperature monitors on each tree trunk. And uh, we've found that uh, trees that are in cold air pockets or uh, areas that, uh, that simply don't warm up as quickly in the spring uh, will tend to leaf out and flower a bit later than those that are in warmer microsites over a very small geographic area. Interesting. Um, so oak species um, live a long time. Um, how well do you think uh, so, so let me step back. You used uh, seasonal acorn production over, was it eight years, ten years? Um, yeah, I think it's eight years, eight years for this paper, but it's ongoing. Right. So, so, um, but that's probably a small proportion of the lifetime of any one tree. Yes. So, so, how, so how well do you think, is it known how well the seasonal production reflects lifetime fitness? So for any given season, very, very poorly. So that um, by nature of oaks masting, uh, that the greatest amount of variation in uh, acorns is between years. Uh, 
that there are years where the entire population produces very few acorns and years where the entire population produces very many acorns. Um, but uh, over a 10-year data set, we have both extremes uh, included in that. And um, this is probably pretty representative of the lifetime of a tree, though it's, that's very difficult to say. They're very long-lived organisms. How, do you, is there any estimate of how long they live on average? There are. And uh, the, the lifetime of the tree is uh, known for many individuals by growth rings. And this is, uh, I'm, I'm guessing here, but I'm thinking around a, a couple hundred years is uh, typical of a lot of the tree's longevity. But what's a little bit unknown is uh, that they take a really long time to reach the tree stage. That uh, we've also found small um, shrubs of that presumably develop at some point into reproductive oak trees that have been at that shrub stage for upwards of 60 years. Right. So they, they are truly very long-lived individuals. Right. Yeah. Um, so um, you're doing a postdoc with uh, Walt Koenig at Cornell? Uh, that's correct. Okay. And um, so will your postdoc involve continuing research on the, um, in the Lobata uh, system? Yes, and our hope is to really tie in uh, these aspects of phenology directly to oak masting behavior. So um, the idea being that perhaps in years when uh, oaks have very desynchronized flowering, that is to say that uh, the entire population flowers over a really long time span, uh, might also be the years that everybody is somewhat pollen-limited and um, there's a population-wide bad acorn set. So, so that's the, the long-term hypothesis that we're hoping to test. And as we accumulate years of this data set, uh, it will be increasingly easy to do so. Okay, so um, why, uh, why is this research interesting? Why should people care about this? So there have been a number of studies uh, over the past 30 years that have uh, shown similar trends that uh, the flowering plants that flower in the middle of uh, the season tend to produce greater seed set for um, insect-pollinated plants, but there has been relatively little work done on wind-pollinated plants. Um, perhaps just in general that's true. If you look at the uh, classic Kern and Inouye methods of uh, pollination biology book, uh, there's, uh, I think, about a tenth of it's devoted to uh, wind pollination versus the other 90% to uh, insect pollination. Uh, that being said, a lot of the most economically and um, ecosystem-wide important uh, plants are actually wind pollinated. And to be able to understand their reproductive strategies, uh, it's uh, really useful to uh, do some of these classic experiments on uh, wind-pollinated organisms, where it's not three things interacting, the pollen uh, donor, the pollen recipient, and an insect, but only two. Right. Right. So 
I understand that this data set uh, was uh, maybe 10 years long. It, that seems rather unusual. Um, what, 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 how do you think what factors went into sort of being able to collect that type of data set? Ultimately, uh, Walt Koenig, uh, who uh, initiated this data set, is responsible for that. Right, um, right. The, the logistics of continuing this survey over 10 years and continuing the, the ACORN survey part of it now uh, for upwards of 30 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Is that, so, so that sort of that length of data set, 10 years is, or 30 years especially, is, is pretty, that's a pretty long data set because it, it's sort of, it's longer than the, you know, grant life cycle. Uh, that, that is correct, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Walt uh, has the, the motto of uh, when studying oaks, it's good to start young. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, so do you plan to um, link uh, either experimentally or, or somehow, you know, do pollen supplementation experiments? Um, so link pollen limitation, uh, pollen limitation idea to uh, explaining that reproductive timing? Uh, yes. So uh, linking... Uh, Linking the timing of flowering mm -hmm. to uh, pollen limitation. Right. Uh, yes, that is something that we're actively doing via pollen supplementation experiments. Um, these are a little bit uh, tricky in some ways because of the um, large variation in uh, seed set in oak trees. You, you have to... All of the models of oak masting suggest that there's probably pollen limitation in some years, but not others. And so uh, doing those experiments over a couple of years is probably necessary to be able to detect the trends that people expect. Right. Um, so uh, how general do you think the results are from uh, this paper on uh, Quercus lobata? Do you think they, the findings extend to other uh, oak species or other tree species in general? I would suspect that that might be true. Um, people have looked for uh, evidence of pollen limitation in a couple of cases of wind-pollinated trees, and uh, direct evidence for it is difficult to come by. But uh, many of the indirect evidence suggests that pollen moves a much lower distance and that very isolated trees uh, tend to experience a bit of a lower seed set than uh, trees that have many conspecifics nearby. So it seems like there's increasing evidence that aspects of pollination might be fairly important for wind-pollinated plants and that wind-pollinated pollen isn't just everywhere at all times, as, uh, as I think we've previously assumed. Mm -hmm. So uh, do you think there's any um, consequences for maybe the conservation of oaks? Uh, you know, are there any, you know, threatened oaks? And uh, is Quercus lobata threatened? Uh, you know, are there just any sort of uh, further implications in terms of conservation? Many of the oaks in California are threatened with um, land use change and uh, lack of regeneration in many cases. And certainly the pulsed seed set of oaks is, uh, is interesting for that uh, regeneration or, or lack of regeneration that uh, 
is found actually specifically in Quercus lobata, the study that we're mm. working with here. Uh, so, so yeah, I think this work can uh, be tied very well into uh, a lot of conservation concerns uh, regionally. We've been speaking with Ian Pierce, a postdoc at Cornell University for the Journal of Ecology Hall. I'm Scott Tumor.